0: This is EvadionX, and welcome to the Candid Frame. You can now download the latest episode of the Candid Frame directly to your smartphone or tablet using the Candid Frame app. Available for Apple iOS, Android, and Windows 8, you can automatically receive and listen to the latest episode minutes after it's released. Mark and download your favorites or send your comments and suggestions directly to me via the app. Download it today using your favorite app store or click on the links in the show notes found at the Candid Frame website. This episode of the Candid Frame is brought to you by Squarespace, the all-in-one platform that makes it fast and easy to create your own professional website or online portfolio. For a free trial and 10% off, go to Squarespace.com and use the offer code CANDIDFRAME. We also have the support of Lynda.com, who with over 2,000 high-quality and engaging videos, provides a wide breadth of courses from beginner to advanced. Lynda.com is there to help you learn creative, software, and business skills to achieve your personal and professional goals. To take advantage of their seven-day free trial, visit lynda.com forward slash The Candid Frame. That's L-Y-N-D-A forward slash The Candid Frame. For every tens of thousands of people who say they want to be a photographer, a writer, or a filmmaker, there are just a few who decide to put in the work to make it happen. And of those people who do put in the work and time, There are even fewer who stick it out long enough to see the fruits of their labor. As they say, if it were easy, everybody would be doing it. Jay Bartlett is a photographer who has really earned the title working photographer. He's not only put in the time behind the camera, but he's also doing all the grunt work to create and sustain a business. He's earned a solid reputation as a commercial fashion photographer in a market that has no shortage of photographers. I began by asking him how he's differentiated himself from the thousands of photographers vying for the same opportunities.
1: You know, I mean, I've, I've uh, assisted a number of photographers through my career, so. I've uh, resisted social media for quite a while. I'm one of those guys that's you know, really grassroots, starts from the bottom and worked a way up, kind of a photographer. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, back in my day when I was assisting, it's, I, I'm really seeing it's not just the images, but, but your actual uh, client experience. And uh, looking at the freelance market today and photographers, you really want to try to separate yourself from what's going on in the freelance market and and how do you do that there's a lot of people that do it very creatively and one thing for me is I wanted to give my clients an experience when they're shooting for me not just in the images that I shoot but an overall experience whether it be the images are instantly captured on their iPad as I push the shutter Um, those simple technologies like that's available for everyone today and it's free um, those little things really separate me right off the bat. Um, Having Going above and beyond and really learning uh, the craft of if I'm shooting clothing, which I shoot more often, but really understanding fashion as a whole, like what kind of buttons they are, what kind of uh, um, stitching and tailoring they are. I can converse with the designers much more easily. So I'm not just trying to be a professional photographer in my craft. I'm trying to be a professional in the world of fashion and understanding exactly what's happening in cuts and sewed and buttons and zippers and everything else. So you,
0: your idea is that not only am I going to provide them what they're asking for in terms of the photographs, but you want them to sort of walk away thinking, oh, he gets
1: us. Right, exactly, exactly. And, and not only does he get us, but he gets what we're trying to produce in our images what we want, you know, our clients uh, to feel and and our market space to feel like. So so how did you sort of
0: learn that? Because you're you're a photographer, you're a techie, you know, you're not necessarily into all the intricacies of of, of fashion. Did you just sort of listen to how they were talking and what they were talking about and sort of Picked up on it and incorporated that into the into the communication you would have with them, or right. was it something else? Uh, you
1: know, you, you definitely do pick it up by shooting a lot uh, through my years, uh, and also I attend a lot of uh, fashion shows, like uh, the big one in Las Vegas, Magic. I attend that one and the one in New York, and just by going over there and by sitting in and listening to some of the key speakers that speak out. You just really pick up what these designers are all about and what they're trying to do. And it's a, a different understanding. So when I um, you know, first started, I wanted to shoot uh, fashion and beauty and hair and those kind of things like everybody wants to do. Yeah. It's a very glamorous job to be able to be called a fashion photographer. And what I did was I attended a lot of uh, makeup workshops and hair workshops. I would be the only photographer there because... I really wanted to know the craft and how makeup would affect my lighting and what type of makeup would uh, have, for instance, a shimmering effect or uh, a muted effect, those kind of things. And so not only did I want to be an expert in the whole camera and the whole studio lighting bit, but I wanted to know what my makeup artist is doing and what my hairstylist is doing. And uh, I I wanted to translate that in every aspect of photography in, in the commercial end. So understanding fashion and going to these trade shows for fashion and clothing and tailoring and buttons and accessories, all those things, I also wanted to learn the lifestyle end of it. What makes a good lifestyle image? It, it boils down to that as well. So it's once you get past the understanding of your camera system, and what settings you need to make, and then understanding your lighting equipment and what settings you need to do on that to make a good image, then you kind of get out of that sense, because it's second nature to you at that point, and you start looking at other ways to really separate yourself from from others. Yeah.
0: You know, speaking of working with hair and makeup people, mm-hmm. um, there are... They're, Several different approaches. One of them is you have a real clear vision in terms of what you want, and you communicate it to the stylist right. and to the hair people and the makeup, and saying, This is what I want, this is what I want you to go for. And there's another school that's kind of like, Well, this is generally what I'm going for, and uh, why don't you just do your thing? Right. So, where do
1: you sort of fall in those camps? Are you somewhere in between? I, I am definitely a guy that has a vision in my head. And, and the fun part for me in photography is. Taking that, You know, when I first started, it was difficult for me to take this vision and make an image out of it. It was very difficult in a sense because I didn't understand lighting as I do now. Uh, I I didn't understand uh, different ways that you can really manipulate your camera setting uh, and controlled lighting environments to really get the image you want. And part of the biggest challenge with any photographers today is having an image in their head and trying to get that image into... A physical print, a physical form of, of photography and art and for me, the fun part is having that image in my head, so when I come on set not only do I have a general idea what the image should be, I have an exact image, in it, where their hand placement is, where their elbow is and I, once I get that image then we start to play at that point, because I've got my hero image, okay. you know, and then I can tell my makeup artist, okay, now you you know, go, you know, whatever you like you know, go and do it but typically, I am pretty involved with um, makeup color, eye color, lip color, those kind of things. But
0: getting to the point where you actually trust that vision, to trust that voice, it's not an easy thing because, like you said, there's certain, as artists, we often focus on the things we don't know. Right. And so at times like that, it's easy to be influenced by other people's opinions. Absolutely. Especially people on your team. So Absolutely. How, what did it take for you to be able to say... Oh, that's a great idea, uh, and I'm not going to do it because this is what I want, as opposed to going. Oh, that sounds like a good idea, and not really, and it not necessarily being the best thing for your vision, you know. And because at first we want to be very right. accommodating, and we want to work with these people again. Right, but, absolutely. But at some point, you have to say, No, this is what I want. This is the way I want it done. Let's get to work.
1: Right, so you know when I do collaborations, and I still do a lot of collaborations today. I think it's it uh, uh, keeps you fresh because in the commercial industry, you're you're really shooting almost the same thing over and over again, right? The same kind of looks, happy feeling, airy photographs with uh, great lighting, and those kind of things. Uh, but when we do collaborations, then we really get to play. We really try to do lighting that we've never done before, those kind of things. And when we do collaborations, it is a true collaboration in that the artist is participating, the makeup artist and the hairstylist is participating in the overall look. Uh, the stylist is there participating in the overall look. So it's a true collaboration. But when it comes down to physical clients, they let me take the reign oftentimes when there is, uh, especially new clients, when it's hard for them to translate the vision.
0: Oh yeah, good point.
1: Yeah. They they have a difficult time really trying to uh, develop a brand for them in terms of look wise, and they hire me for that reason. And at that point, then I let my team know this is exactly how it's going to be.
0: So that's that's an important point. Dealing with a client who's really not sure what they want, they have sort of this nebulous general idea. Exactly, they definitely know what they don't want. Right. So, so how do you sort of walk that tightrope in terms of being able to give them what they may not even know they need or want, right? And and you know, being able to please them, but also make it a good experience so that they'll. They'll come back to you
1: because it's easy to, you know, to go with something and all of a sudden later on they go, well, that's not what I wanted. Exactly. You know, the biggest thing is, is really asking the right questions in terms of, okay, where is your market going to be at? What is your target market? What's your age group? Um, you know, is it going to be moderately priced? Is it going to be high priced? Is it going to be on the lower end of things? And those kind of things gives me a real idea on where there should be and so forth. Is it a sophisticated woman? Is it a woman that uh, – or is it a guy that is going to school? Or So when you talk about product and and, and their vision of product – letting giving him all these things uh in terms of a question form and them being able to answer it gives you a really good picture on what the image should look like
0: can you give me an example of a, of a time or the client you don't have to be tell me give me any name, sure a time where where you faced a, a real challenge in terms of making really clear mu- communication happen between the two of you and right. how you ended up pulling that off because i'd like to get a like a definitive example sure, of that, I'll, how, I'll give how you, you
1: did it. <laughs> I'll give you a really tough one. And the really tough one is the client is uh, from China uh, who had uh, American uh, workers here in the U.S. who spoke really good English. But in dealing with her, she didn't speak that good of an English to start off. Her English was very, very difficult to understand. So uh, it was a brand. It was a woman's brand, a higher-end brand, uh, my understanding was, and uh, she didn't have an age group on what it's going to be. She didn't know if it was going to fit into the uh, 26-year-old to 35-year-old bracket. She didn't know if it was going to be 16, or she couldn't give me an age range. And, and typically in clothing, there is a specific age range that you really have to – you can't shoot – clothing that is going to be for a student going to college uh, because it so in other words you can't have multiple different uh, type of styles of clothing Mm -hmm. it needs to fit into a specific genre and and people will get it Mm -hmm. Uh, and if people don't get it they're just simply not going to buy your clothing that's just as simple as that so it's got to fit into a certain genre whether it's a missy size or a young contemporary size it's going to be very important that they place it properly and so without seeing the clothes at all because you know it takes a while for samples to get manufactured without seeing it and really understanding where this fits she's trying to tell me a large bracket large age group bracket so you know i think i got the clothes the day of the shoot and I uh, saw them the day of the shoot. And we already had this idea that it was going to be a sophisticated woman. We're going to shoot in the uh, um, financial district because it's going to be a woman going to work with her briefcase, heels on, you know. And, and, and we had that general idea. She agreed on the concept. And we get the clothing, and it was nothing like we envisioned at all. Oh, wow it was uh it definitely was more fitting for young contemporary like somebody that would go to like a Charlotte Russe or uh Forever 21 type of style of clothing and it didn't match and we already booked the models so the models are coming in looking you know like your typical you know uh middle age mid 30s and it did not fit at all but we made it happen we made it work <laughs> you know, we we made it work through through the magical work of makeup and hairstyling, and we have a fabulous team. We had a stylist that was here that just brought a ton of different types of clothes, different types of shoes, accessories, and we really dressed them up in such a way that made it work. Yeah, and the client was was uh, very pleased with it. Um, and uh, yeah, that was for me the most difficult thing, and it doesn't happen like that often. But but. Uh, You know, getting clothes out of the manufacturer, those kind of things can be really tough. It blows timelines all the time. Oh, wow. Yeah. You you mentioned
0: team, and you got an amazing group of people. Yes, I do. Yes, without
1: them, I I am nothing without them. (laughs) (laughs) But
0: but tell me about putting together a, a team, because there's so many people out there who aspire to, you know, be part of this industry. And not everyone... It's really cut out for it. And when, you, when you're getting paid for this and your livelihood is dependent on it, mm-hmm. you know, early on, what, you know, how did you put together the team that you have now that you rely on? So,
1: You know, I mean, uh, when, when you start off as a freelance photographer, it's all your money that you make, all your earnings that you make goes towards gear because you're trying to really build up. Your gear and buy lenses and those kind of things that you really need and and I did it differently. Uh, all uh, the proceeds that i 've earned through photography went towards renting equipment. I focused more on really trying to build a team and build a base to where when when I got hired for a job it wouldn 't be me just coming in. I would have the very, very best equipment for one and two, I would have a team, and they would be like. Wow, this guy has, you know, somebody running the computer for him or this guy has somebody that's really setting up the lights for him. That way it allowed me to focus more on the client during the day of the shoot. And and that's one of the things I've learned from assisting professional photographers in the field is you can't do it without a team. You really can't because what happens is if you're by yourself on a shoot, you're you're setting up the lighting yourself the client is interacting with the model and you're like nowhere to be found. You're sweating, you're setting up lighting, you're doing all this. And the, the time that you're shooting, you're not spending that extra effort. And really, number one, um, uh, understanding your model, where they're from, and getting that connection in. Because without that connection, and it's critical, that connection may only happen in 10 minutes because you know she could only be in the makeup chair for that long. And then you're out shooting. And if the photographer doesn't have a connection with the model, it's very difficult to really get the right look. And for me, I spend the time with my models, with my clients. Sometimes I don't meet my clients until the day of the shoot because, you know, we do everything online these days. And it's very important for me to make that connection, understand who I am and what I'm all about, um, making sure that they're comfortable on set. And I wouldn't be able to do that without a team. If I was by myself, it would just be really difficult to interact. And I'm a people person. I love to, to talk, and I really make people feel very welcome. And I think that's really important that they're comfortable with you. And once they have comfort, you're joking around, you're making jokes, and when they get on set, it's like we've known each other forever, and we're just having fun. And that's where the real fun images come. You know, When, yeah. when it looks very natural, it doesn't look forced.
0: And now I'd like to take the time to thank our sponsors. Your website is a critical tool for you getting your work out there. There's no doubt about it. But what happens when you're out in the world and you want to show off your work? Handing a business card is no guarantee that the person is going to visit the website. And you can't always be carrying around a laptop. While well, Squarespace makes it easy with its free portfolio app, which allows you to conveniently share images. From your online galleries on your tablet or your phone, whether or not you have access to the internet. It's a great tool and it is available to you at no additional cost. Find out for yourself by taking advantage of their 14-day free trial. You don't need a credit card, just create an account and go for it. When you decide to sign up for Squarespace, make sure to use the offer code CANDIDFRAME to get 10% off and to show your support for the show. Squarespace, Everything you need to create an exceptional website. As an assistant, Mm -hmm. what did you see other assistants doing that you learned from where you felt like you definitely do this and you most definitely don't do that?
1: Yeah, you know, a great question. And for me, uh, I knew I always wanted to do this for a living. So when I was an assistant, I always observed what the professional photographer was doing, what exactly he was doing, how he was interfacing with clients, versus some of the other guys that did lighting and stuff. It was a job for them. They just set up lighting, and they did this, and they, they that's all they wanted to do. And, and for me, I observed very well. And, you know, one of the things that I see all the time is... Uh, what they do in terms of the interaction with models, uh, what they do in terms of interaction with their staff. And, you know, you get professional photographers out there who are big names, and they earned it for a reason, but the way they treat their staff. You know, that's one of the things yeah. that that I swore to myself I would never do. One of the other things, too, is I've got on my team aspiring photographers, great ones. You know, I've got one who is taking over some of my accounts today because I've just been so overwhelmed. And uh, she's now shooting for some of my accounts, which is fantastic. And so I really try to take the time to show them everything that I've learned through the years. So I'm always educating them, the ones who really wants to become, you know, or wants to do this as a profession, every chance I get. And I know uh, from my experiences, you know, it seems like trade secrets are, you know, oh, you can't learn my secrets, even when You know, uh, looking at camera settings, for instance, you know, I have photographers that are like, oh, you can't go there. You can't stand over there. You can't touch my camera. You can't, you know, those kind of things. And it made the set very cold. It made it just very, uh, you know, my set is always fun. And I always um, told my team is we're going to have fun no matter what.
0: Do you feel that that relationship and that kind of um, atmosphere that you create allows you to demand more of them?
1: Yes, yes, absolutely, because I do have some people who are a little bit more on on the passive side uh, of things, and and definitely, you know, I want them to interact with people. I want them to be out there. It's very important to make um, the clients that come on set, whoever they may be, they could be anywhere from a marketing director to a creative director to the actual designer. And, you know, I, I can't interact with all of them at the same time. You mm-hmm. know, sometimes I do when they're all together, but when they're all in different places, you know, my team is always, you know, talking to them, making sure that they're comfortable and, you know, making sure everything is going as planned, those kind of things. So it's it's a job, the job of my team that does that as well, which is fantastic.
0: Well, tell me about the, because um, you said you started off as working as assistant, but as you started procuring your own clients,
1: how were you, making that happen? Well, you know, at grassroots, uh, (laughs) I was one of those guys who uh, really did a lot of cold calling. I uh, called, my goal was to have 150 calls per day. Wow. 150 calls per day, and I would target advertising agencies, and I would call in, and I would print out books, and I did it grassroots style. I mean, really just down and dirty. Uh, called you know I had a lot of door slam don't call me again kind of calls and and i really tried to perfect my craft in terms of um you know i'm a commercial photographer um, i i'm in los angeles and, and 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 uh that really helped me understand what's happening in the freelance market today um doors opened up for me there you know there's people that gave me chances um and and from there, it became the networking aspect. But let me tell you about the social media end. Social media end has really opened up a bigger picture for me in terms of um, getting my name out there a little bit more in terms of Instagram and Facebook and those kind of things. And I've resisted it for many years. You know, I think uh, my Facebook is only two years old or or, or my Instagram. And, and um, really trying to show my work and try to show my behind the scenes and those kind of things – really has helped client understand because nowadays clients google photographers you know they, they yeah, do that yeah. it's, a, it's an internet world and so um, before social media I did pay for google I, I, I went to like a six seven month ad pay with google to get my name up there so if you typed in commercial photographer my name would be you know right up there I didn't get as many clients as I would like paying Google that I got more clients through social media, through Instagram and word of mouth and networking and really getting myself out there. Going to these trade shows, fantastic, fantastic way to network. I'll be uh, in a cab going to another hotel to see another show and I would be sitting next to a marketing guy. You don't know the countless networking possibilities that I've had and the actual clients where you would hand them your business cards and six, six, seven months later, even a year later, they would call you, Jay, you remember me? I bumped into you, you know, magic in Las Vegas. And, and it's fantastic. And I, I've since canceled, you know, uh, the Google AdSense and those kind of things and stopped doing any of that, the Facebook, the Google, all of that stuff. And just went with pure networking and social media. And today, it's clients to clients that are talking, you know, and, and, and you know, my clients today refer me to, you know, their uh, friends and and people that uh, are in the industry today, and it's all through word of mouth.
0: But, you know, you're putting a lot of footwork in there. Yes. And there, and there are a lot of people who want to be able to do it, but I think that you're an example of someone who is, uh, wants it bad enough to put in that kind of work. Yes, and, yes. I, and you know, you meet a lot of people who would love to be doing what you do, but won't do the cold calls, who won't you know, get past their shyness to start networking right. and, get, and getting out of it. So w- was that what propelled you? Was it that you really wanted it more, more than anything else that helped get you past whatever sort of anxieties or fears that, that might hold other people back?
1: You know, uh, there's two things. Is I, I wanted a career in this industry. I, I didn't want a hobby. I, I wasn't uh, so much of a gearhead to be like, ooh, you know, I'm a, I'm a Nikon guy or ooh, I'm a Canon guy, and I've got this lens and I've got that lens. I mean, early on in the game, I, I did shoot with a Canon uh, a five D Mark II uh, with several lenses, but I've always in my mind rented what I needed to accomplish that shoot. Uh, whether it's a Nikon camera, whether it's a particular lens, whether it's a medium format camera, so equipment at that point was not a big deal. I wasn't one of those gearheads. For me, it was more of a career-driven thing. I wanted to be, um, and not a, away from the hobbyist end of things. I wanted to, uh, for this career to be successful. And in order to do that, I've tried everything. You, you know, like I said, the Google thing, and 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 really the cold calling things. I don't cold call anymore. I, I think it's gotten to a point where, um, in the fashion world, especially in Los Angeles, you know, my name is kind of a little bit more. You know, people are starting to, you know, pass my card out or my information a lot more. I get a lot of uh, inquiries these days, and that's just just raw networking. It started <laughs> from clients giving you a chance you know and and not messing up that chance when you get it well, you know,
0: but that thing the idea of that that idea of someone giving me a chance is really built on you creating the opportunity yes,
1: yes. for that to happen yes and let me and let me talk to you about that building a chance i mean aside from cold calling before i even did all that I spent a lot of time doing free work for a lot of people and really building my portfolio and my book. And 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 I want to tell this to every photographer who's listening today: is your book is the the epiphany of your work. It is your work. I mean, it is. Without seeing you in person, they judge you by your book. Mm. <laughs> it's really important. And and if you have. A portfolio filled with images of um, models that are just kind of models or a girl next door looking, they're not true models. You know what true models look like. They have a a way to really capture uh, an audience when you're looking at an image. Um, It really, I mean, they close the books on you so fast, and sometimes it's damaging. So if you approach a company and your portfolio is not up to par with it, it's very damaging on your career, very yeah. damaging on your career. Um, so I spent a great deal of time uh, really um, talking to clothing lines to say, hey, you know, I, I'm willing to shoot your clothing for free. Um, here's the model that I have and giving him concepts. I, spent a, I did a lot of that, too, before even making any cold calls, so that's one of the most important things that I've missed in my early conversation is a lot of the free work. It's about a good two years I put into that: um, shooting for free and, and really honing my craft and being very, very picky on the models that I use. You know, when I shoot for free, I'm essentially paying for marketing dollars towards my own business. And that's how I looked at it. And it better be worth it. The model had better be on point. The makeup better be on point. The clothing, the location, everything uh, to make a great image better be there or I'm not doing it. And that's always the, you know, what I took in my head.
0: Yeah, And working for free on your own terms. Yes. I think that's that's something that's sort of missed when people talk about whether or not they should work for free. Because it's one thing to be working for free to serve your own vision, as opposed to someone going, can you bring your camera and shoot this event? Yes. Which may not have anything to do with your passion, but they just want someone. Exactly.
1: Or, you know, when there is somebody who wants to be a model, but really just, you know, won't be able to cut it in the true industry that's out there and they want to practice on that. And I understand that and that's fine, but you can only go so far with that. And those are necessarily not the images you want to be pace, you know, placing on your portfolio to begin with. You need to really start to network and, and talk to modeling agencies uh, to give you a chance in s- shooting some of their uh, new faces, some of their new girls that they just signed in their agency, which in, in those cases, they're as raw as you are because they've never modeled no. before, they don't understand. So you guys are kind of learning together, you know, in terms of really getting a good look and, and understanding. Um, what a good ad would look like. And I think that's really important is people shoot in, in Los Angeles, high fashion all the time, a lot of new photographers. And and I have to admit, I was one of those. I shot for a whole year uh, high fashion stuff. And, and L.A. is all commercial. High fashion belongs in New York. Now, there is some high fashion stuff done here, but it's a very select few. And if you want to work in this industry, it's nothing but commercial.
0: Well, why don't you explain the difference between commercial and, and-
1: well, high, okay. high fashion typically has um, you know clothing that uh, people typically wouldn't wear on an everyday basis, number one. Number two, uh, high fashion editorials is typically a spread of images, five, six, seven, eight images through a course. And uh, it, magazines like it because they can create an editorial out of it, kind of a story base out of it where a commercial print is a single image displaying a product. On how the client would wear it, would use it, would so it's they're selling a product versus mm. um, you know an editorial where they're selling a lifestyle, a look, uh, a certain look and appeal. And and editorials in high fashion typically have edgier lighting, and that's why a lot of. Um, Uh, beginning photographers glam onto it because the lighting is very cool it's it's edgy it's you know you're using grids and you're you're just really trying to to build up but it's it's just the wrong move if you want to work in this industry it is the wrong move and and when back in the day when i started working for a clothing line called continuous it's a action sports brand of t-shirt hoodies hats those kind of things and I got a group of images together with a bunch of kids together on a skateboard with holding hands laughing the the your typical commercial end that you would see in in zoomies or you would see in activewear or you would see in stores like that I've gotten called a lot from that image you know by other action sports brand and stuff like that, and that's when you know, hey, you know there's something here, and again, early in my career, you start figuring things out, but there wasn't. Somebody, and this is before I've assisted anybody, before I knew about lighting and 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 how to you know work lighting and those kind of things. Um, there isn't a master guideline out there that anybody can look up, you know, a roadmap. And and for me, having an outlet, and I appreciate you having me on the show like this, and and getting, you know, kind of my roadmap to where I am today is is fantastic. Yeah.
0: Whether you want to learn to make specific kinds of photographs, it can be a chore to read through a general digital photography book or video course and know what specific controls and skills are required. Lynda.com makes it easy by providing courses on specific subject matter. They've recently released short video courses on photographing waterfalls, shooting macros and close-ups, and photographing soccer. Regardless of your area of interest, you'll likely find what you need on their site. You can experience this for yourself and watch over 2,000 quality videos for free for a limited time. I worked out a special deal with lynda.com to provide you with unlimited access to the entire library free for seven days. Visit lynda.com forward slash the candid frame to use it for a week. That's lynda.com forward slash the candid frame to start your seven day free trial and help support the show. Well, being creative and commercial, as you suggested, may not be as creative, like lighting-wise. You can't go off, you know, with your imagination in in ways that you would in some of those spreads that you see in Vogue and stuff like that. But you still want to be creative. So how do you sort of infuse the work, particularly stuff that you're doing, like for for catalogs or, or, you know, for... Uh, for that kind of work, and still be able to make it work that you feel like, I, I want to show this work, and I want to show off what I can do. With but you're still having to be sort of um, uh, considerate of what the client wants, yes. And, and they and they may not want something
1: that's. You, you know what's funny is, um, you know, we talk about how cool editorial work is and high fashion work is, and and how cool the lighting is. But to be honest, commercial work is so much harder in my opinion because if you're shooting outdoors in a large commercial set, you're really trying to balance what the sun is doing with your artificial light. And you're trying to do it in a sense to make it look as natural as possible to where when you look at the image, it looks like no artificial light was used. And for me, that's more difficult than going into a studio and and shooting where your light's off camera... To the right or left camera side, and and you're shooting where you have you know shadows on the left side of the face or the right side of the face. It it's um, a, a more difficult thing in trying to balance, and also you have things like cross shadows. So if the sun is uh, in the front of your model, it's creating a shadow behind them, and then maybe you have an artificial sun, artificial light from the back. And if you're shooting a full body, it's going to create a cross shadow on the ground, right? It's going to have a shadow from your artificial light going forward and then the real sun shadow going backwards. And that, and those kind of things are really technical. You have to really be able to control your lighting uh, outdoors. And for me, commercial photography is a bit more challenging. We would go into a set and they want uh, a background to be lit in a certain way. So not only do you have to light the model, but you have to light the background with snoots and grids to light certain aspects of the background, those kind of things. And um, it's more of a challenge, and, and uh, I love it a lot more. And every commercial shoot is different, you know, uh, depending on how uh, they want the clothing. And everybody is the same in terms of when they zoom into the physical fabric of the clothing, they want to see the stitching. They want to see everything. So you have to shoot it in such a way that shows that.
0: Give me an example of a time where you had a job where you felt like, oh, I got the job and it's like, you, then you realized you had to deliver, that it may have been bigger than you were able, you, than you sort of anticipated, oh, but how yeah. you sort of, you know, came through it and were able to,
1: you know, do it and do it oh, well. Oh, I've got a great story for that, a, a great story, and it's a, an important one, a kind of a learning one for everyone. You know, I've got the opportunity who's, you know, been a client of mine for a long time now, Margaritaville Apparel. You know, we've done multiple campaigns with them and and billboards and stuff like that uh, with them, big campaigns. And Margaritaville itself is a 90% um, type of branded company. And when I say – what I mean about that is when you say Margaritaville, they know exactly Jimmy Buffett. They know the Mm -hmm. clothing resort wear. they just know it from the drinks – to the resorts, to everything, and, and you know, Coca-Cola is ninety-two percent or something like that brand awareness. Um, so it's a pretty large company, and and they gave me a shot. They were one of the companies that gave me a shot early on in my career, and um, you know I shot for them up in their studio in Los Angeles, um, their their uh, satellite office, and I shot with my five D Mark II. We produced images that I think was worthy of their uh, catalog at the time, and I remember the. (laughs) I remember very clearly the art director called me and said, "Okay, Jay, I got the images here, but can you send me the high res ones?" Mm. (laughs) I remember going to myself, "What does what does he mean? You know, I've got my five D Mark II, twenty one megapixels. It's five thousand, you know, pixels. What do you mean high res?" He goes. You know, so I called them back, and I'm like, "Oh, you know, uh, were you not able to download them?" He goes, "Oh no, these files are only five thousand pixels. I need you know seven thousand pixels. We're putting it up on a billboard in New York again, and I'm like, "Oh, okay, sure, I'll get that for you. <laughs> <laughs> I remember calling my rep uh from Capture One and uh telling him what the problem was, and what he told me was, "Listen, in Capture One." Uh, he may not be able to see it, but you can upres your files to whatever pixel you want and capture one does a great, you know, solution. A great deal. Uh, it does a great uh, algorithm to do that, and I've done it uh, to seven thousand pixels like he wanted. I sent them up there, and uh, boy, they didn't see it the difference. They 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 did it. They posted it, and they were happy. And uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's one of those things that. I didn't have a good understanding of where the images were going to be used for um, Mm. exactly uh, the type of images they needed. And it's a large part of my conversation today with clients. Is this going to be used just for Internet only? Is it going to be used for print? How large is the print? How many prints? Uh, So I ask all these questions because not knowing that and shooting with a less inferior you know, uh product, you know, shooting uh, my 5D Mark II at the time, which I shot for everything with, I should have rented a medium format and that would have solved the problem. And and ever since then, I've shot with a medium format for them ever since, you know, that whole tobacco, but all their images go large, huge. And, and when people say, well, you can blow up images with a 5D Mark II just fine, but you can... But they blow it up gigantic. (laughs) They go really big, you know, billboard size with it. And it's very important for them because they have complex prints and patterns that you don't want it to look like a camouflage pattern because it's so pixelated when it goes that big. So, um, yeah, that was a a huge learning curve. And I want to let everybody know it is important to really get to know what the end results of your images will be you know, where it's going to come, what's going to happen to it. It's
0: kind of interesting because it seems like you learn all that stuff and and then all of a sudden that becomes sort of an unconscious part of your process because when it comes down to doing the job, most of your time is going to be dedicated to doing everything else except all the technical stuff that happens in order to get the shot. And and there there you're going to be delegating a lot, but it's really important to know what you want, have an understanding of how it's achieved, Mm -hmm. to be able to communicate that to the people so that you can, do what you need to in terms of getting the shot but also being in constant dialogue with the client exactly
1: and you know uh and and again we'll go back to the team part it, it took some time to get some really good gelling going on between all of us and understanding what everybody's roles were mm-hmm. and that's just natural when you're setting up a team but now i can come to a set my camera set up my lights are balanced. I mean, it's I'm ready to go. It's I'm just pushing the shutter and composing and and really directing my models at that point. It's it's fantastic feeling. So
0: you get a lot of young photographers, aspiring photographers, coming to you wanting to assist, wanting you know probably for you to take a look at their their work. Yes, um, you know you got thousands of people listening to the show. What would be some of your pieces of advice that you would say? Look, if you're going to seriously do this. Bam, bam, bam! These are the three things you that
1: you definitely need to start doing today. You know, my my door is open for anybody who's listening here. Uh, you, my email Don't be is careful, public. Man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I I say that, and and there's uh, you know Facebook messages that I, that I haven't answered for weeks, but I do get to them, guys. I do get to them, and uh, and I you know I'm able to to answer, and I like these questions coming on board. Um, but what I would say to them is this. If you are really serious and ma- in wanting to make this a career, you really have to be a profession. And, and this is just like uh, being a doctor in many ways. You have to specialize. You can't be a photographer that can do it all. You have to really specialize in something. If you're going to do architectural photography, then you're an architectural photographer. If you're going to be a wedding photographer, then really master the craft of wedding photography. I'm talking like not only understand your camera and your lighting and how the sun affects your shots and, and the venue that you're going, but understanding different cultures, understanding what a Chinese wedding looks like, what a Korean wedding looks So really being an expert in your craft, and that's what I mean for me in, in commercial photography really understanding makeup hair clothing fashion all those things was really important and attending seminars and sitting down you know countless hours in these things and and paying money uh, for these seminars and and getting gaining the knowledge that i have now is priceless it really is cuz now i can converse with my designers oh you have you know a tailored lip here you have a double stitch and you talk to them and they're like okay this guy knows what he's talking about And it just—I'm not just a photographer at that point. I'm an expert in my field.
0: Well, you're married and you got two two, kids—two
1: boys. Yes, I am. And
0: uh, you know, there are a lot of photographers who have made their career their lives, and they've lost their family. I mean, Richard Avedon himself—you know—talks about uh, the fact that he wasn't a particularly good father Mm because he was so focused on his his work. But in in talking to you, it seems like you always uh, are working on making time for your your family yeah and and that's not easy when you're self-employed and you're a creative person and you're a photographer so you know what you know why why is that important to you and and how do you ensure that your your kids and your wife get you know as much time as is feasible with all the stuff that you have to do
1: you know um that's a great question as well for me family is everything i mean i'm doing this uh, not just for myself, but for my family. Um, you know, they supported me in doing this. I've uh, left a very lucrative career uh, in, in the medical industry, in the IT world. Um, my background certainly was not in arts. It was more into uh, just business uh, in general and and more of in the IT world. And um, for me, I wanted to create an outlet for my family because I do work so much. I, I put in... A lot of hours during the week and what I told myself is weekends are my family time and there's times where I just I turn my phone off literally on weekends and I create uh, a weekend to where they my kids look forward and my wife look forward to the weekend because we're going to do something fun and that's been an ongoing tradition ever since I've obtained this you know career is weekends are we're always going out. We're always having fun together. And my phone is off. I'm, I'm not on my phone. I'm, I'm, I try not to be anyway, yeah. but I try to devout all my attention. And we have what we call family night where, you know, we blow up the air mattress right in the living room, watch movies and stay up all late. And so it's, it's really important, it's really important for me to, to, to get that time. And, and I try to do all my work in the studio. I try, try, try not to bring my work home with me because when I'm home, uh, you know, I want to spend time with my kids. I want to see what they're doing and house, homework and school and those kind of things instead of looking at images. And and it, as a photographer, it's tough because you do take your work home. You do. You just do. You just – you look at the images and you can see maybe what you need to improve on. I'm constantly doing that. Um, you're – Looking at your work and you're uh, making corrections, you're making selections. Sometimes the client has a difficult time in making a selection of images and you help with that, those kind of things, and you just have to take it home. But weekends, I, you know, my computer shut off. It's sometimes, like I said, I mute my phone and I don't answer emails. I mean, I, I go in the dark. Mm, <laughs> so good for you. I think it's very important in, in keeping the family at bay. You know? Awesome.
0: Well, my last question that I ask each guest is I ask them to recommend another photographer for our listeners to discover and explore. And it can be anyone, someone you've long admired or someone you've recently (sighs) discovered. So who would Mm. that one photographer
1: be and why? Hmm. Okay. You don't have many. (laughs) You know, um, one of the photographers that I look up to, uh, the most is Art Striber. Oh yeah. And, and, uh he is uh somebody that uh, uh inspires uh other photographers and i think it's it's fantastic when um you're trying to um you know mentor the, the young photography world people that are graduating from arts center and, and art school and really trying to inspire them to get into this field because there's not a lot of that going on there is more photographers that are more worried about trade secrets and craft and this is my style and you can't use it and and those kind of things rather than to inspire and, and for me I get inspired by that completely and if anything he's he is one of my biggest mentor
0: oh great and where can people go to find out more about you and all your work
1: oh uh, definitely my website uh, it's www.jbartlettphoto.com it's uh, j-a-y bartlett b-a-r-t-l-e-t-t photo.com uh, I also started a blog recently. I've got three blog entries on there now. So uh, there I'm going to share really everything about my work, uh, from camera settings to the way I set my lighting. And and it's a, it's going to be a really good source for people to go and read up on you know what I do behind the scenes, how I do it, how I got the client, those kind of things. So I'm going to just share everything. And, and I think it's going to be a good outlet for that.
0: Right. Well, brother, thank you very much.
1: Thank you so much.
0: Thanks for joining me for another episode of the show. Remember that my latest book, Portraits of Strangers, is available for purchase. And for loyal listeners of the show, you can enjoy 30% off the ebook or any other book or DVD that I produced, including my first book, Chasing the Light, Improving Your Photography Using Available Light. Click on the link on the show notes and use the promo code PORELO, that's P is in Paul, E R E L L O, to receive your discount. The Candid Frame is brought to you by the generous contributions of listeners just like you, as well as the work of our audio engineer, Martin Taylor, who you can find at TheOtherMartinTaylor.com. And our music is from Kevin MacLeod, whose royalty-free music can be found at Incompetech.com. And this is IbarianX, and this is The Candid Frame.